This morning, please, and be turning to Genesis chapter 11 and also find Hebrews chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham. His name is known to people in many places around the world. 
James Montgomery Boyce said, apart from Jesus Christ, Abraham is probably the most important person in the Bible. He says, Abraham's a giant in the scripture. His stature is far above that of Moses or David or Paul. He says, these latter three men, they were great men and God used them in great ways, even giving a scripture through them. But each of them would have, without qualification, said that Abraham was their father in the faith. Abraham is honored as the father of three religions, according to Ken Matthews. Uh, those three religions, and I hate to use Christianity as a religion, but for this sake we will, because we know Christianity is a relationship. But he's the father of Judaism, they claim him, and Christianity, of course, and then those in Islam also claim him. He says for the Jews, he is the patriarch of the Jewish religion and nation. Uh, for Christians, he's the ancestor of Jesus Christ and the spiritual progenitor of all who have faith in Jesus as Savior. And for the Muslims, he is the ideal monotheist, an ancestor of the last and, according to them, greatest prophet, Muhammad. And so you have the Jewish, of course, claiming Abraham, rightfully so. You have Christians claiming Abraham, and you also have Islam. The Muslims claim Abraham. What's even more remarkable about Abraham is what the Lord says about him. The Lord speaking to Moses over in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. Here's what the Lord says. Listen. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. God called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's an awesome thing to think about, that God called him that. Now, in the Bible, three different times, Abraham is given the distinction of being the friend of God. Think about that for a moment, the friend of God. You might want to jot some references down to them. I'll give you a lot of different scripture. We'll be in Genesis 11, Genesis 12, Hebrews 11. But let me give you those three times in the Bible where Abraham is called the friend of God. The first time is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? The next time is in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. The Bible says in Isaiah 41, 8, but you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. The next time is James, the New Testament, James chapter two, verse 23. The Bible says in James 2, 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. The friend of God. Now, today we're beginning a brand new sermon series of the life of Abraham that we're calling a faith that follows. You know, our Christian life begins with placing our faith in our Savior and Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. But you see, that's not the stopping point when it comes to living the Christian life. We begin our journey in faith, yes, 
Everybody who's a Christian has to begin right there by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're to continue our journey in faith. We're to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Romans 1.17 says, at the end of that, the just shall live by faith. And Abraham was a great man of faith. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to set some background information and learn some lessons from Abraham. Let me say right off the bat, I believe as we study the life of Abraham, as the Bible records it, will help us in a great many ways. It will stretch our faith. It will help us to be uh, more faithful and, and grow in our faith. But listen, you must understand, we do not worship Abraham. We're not here to overly exalt Abraham. Our focus is upon what Abraham focused upon, and that is the God of Abraham. You see, the hero of Abraham's life was not Abraham. The hero of Abraham's life was the God of Abraham. And our God, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It was all of God's grace that he saved this man whom we first meet in Scripture who goes by the name of Abram. And then later God changes his name to Abraham. It was all of God's grace that he was redeemed. All of God's grace that he was used. All of God's grace that he did these things in such a wonderful way. But Abraham was a sinner just like all of us. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Abraham, listen, was saved by faith, just like all of us who've been saved are saved by grace through faith. James 2.23 again says this, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. That's faith. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so the Old Testament saints, they're saved by grace through faith. They, of course, are looking forward to the cross. We are looking back at the cross. But all of us who have a a relationship with Jesus Christ are saved by grace through faith. And beginning today and in the weeks to come, we're going to join Abraham on his journey of faith. And today, I'd like for you to meet a pilgrim named Abram. Now, you should have your Bibles open, I hope, to Genesis 11 by now. And we're going to begin reading at verse 26 of Genesis 11. Then we'll keep right on reading into chapter 12. And uh, also have your your, uh, Hebrews 11 passage. We'll go to that a little bit later. But Genesis chapter 11, or chapter 10, rather, we'll begin reading at verse uh, number Now, Genesis chapter 11, excuse me, verse 26. Genesis chapter 11, verse number 26. Have you got it? All right, here we go. Now, Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, the father of Iscah. Verse 30 says, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. Verse 31 says, and Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, chapter 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, 
Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. So they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to see the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now, if you'd allow me for just a few minutes, we need to set the stage for Abraham's journey of faith. Before we get to the heart of the message today, uh, right here, we're introduced to Abram. Again, that was his name, Abram and Sarai. They would later be known as Abraham and Sarah. And we're introduced to Abram and his family there in the end of chapter 11. At this time, Abram is living with his father, Terah, in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, what do we know about Terah, Abraham's father? Well, sadly, beloved, we know that Terah, at least at one time, was an idol worshiper. He worshipped other gods. Jot this reference down and listen. Joshua 24.2. Joshua 24.2. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river at old times, and they served other gods. Now, we're not specifically told that Abram and Abraham later, uh, what he became, no, we're not told that Abram followed his father in worshiping idols. We're never specifically told that. But it's probably safe to assume that it was certainly possible, if not probable, that at one point in his life, he would follow in his father's footsteps and worship other gods. Now, did Abram's father ever leave his idols and end up serving Jehovah? Well, I believe possibly so. Write write this reference down. Jacob, Laban is speaking to Jacob in Genesis 31.53. Genesis 31.53. The God of Abraham... The God of Nahor and the God of their father. Now, who was Abraham and Nahor's father? Terah, right? It says the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father judge between us. So we know that Abram did not grow up in a Christian home. We understand that. He didn't go to Christian school. Uh, He didn't go to Sunday school on Sundays and learn about Jesus. We know that his father at one point was an idol worshiper. And they lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, what was Ur of the Chaldeans like? Well, thankfully, a lot of archaeological studies have been done. Listen to what Stephen Davey tells us about Ur. Would you like to live in Ur? Wouldn't that be neat? Where are you from? from Ur. Anyway, it's in the vicinity of the Persian Gulf. Ur was perhaps the most, listen, perhaps the most civilized place in the world. 
Its fleets of merchant ships would float around the Indian Ocean, selling and bringing their wares to the other distant places of the countryside. It was also the place that had developed an intricate legal system. The people were involved in gem engraving and metalworking, planting and harvesting and weaving. This is very interesting. In error as well, it has been discovered they were proficient in mathematics. In fact, mathematical formulas have been found that, it, that they were working on in that day that still in some degree confound mathematicians today. They were also proficient in astronomy and Ur. This was the height of their cultural civilization. So uh, Abram grew up in a place that was well cultured, uh, very intelligent people, very industrious people. It was possibly the most civilized place in the world. Now keep all that in mind. Tuck it right back there in your mind. You'll need it in a few minutes, okay? Think about Ur. So we know about his father, whose name was Terah. We know about his brothers. We know about his nephew, whose name is Lot. And Lot will figure in quite a lot later on. And now we're told about his wife, Sarai. And the scripture talks about that he married this lady, Sarai, and that she went with him. But verse number 30 in chapter 11, did you notice what the Bible says very plainly, very clearly? But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, this was a point of pain for Abram and Sarai. We'll revisit that in the future as well. We're just setting the stage. Now, the last verse of chapter 11, verse 30, next to the last verse, verse 31 of chapter 11, tells us that Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot and all of them, and they left the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran, not to be confused with his son. This is the place, Haran, and dwelt there. Now, why did they go to Haran? Why did Terah pick up his family and all that they had and all that they knew and go out toward Canaan? Of course, we know they only made it as far as Haran. Well, the Bible, we have to look at other places. It says in verse 31 that Terah took his son Abram and they moved out. But the Bible actually says it was the Lord that brought them out. Jot down these references. Genesis 15, 7. Then he said to them, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Jot down Nehemiah 9, 7. Nehemiah 9, 7 says, you are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of the Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. Now, how did all this come about? How is it that God brought this family to living in this civilized cultural place? Terah's an idol worshiper, at least at one point in his life. How is it that God brought them out of that place and brought them at least toward Canaan at the first, at least as far as Haran and later Abraham would go on to Canaan? How is it that this sums about? Well, believe it or not, you got to go to the New Testament to find the answer. And in the New Testament, we read about this in the book of Acts, chapter 7. The, the Acts chapter 7 is Stephen's sermon. He's preaching before he's about to be stoned. And, and uh, Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 4, tell us the full story, if you will, or a more full story. Listen to what Stephen said in Acts 7, 2 through 4. Now, hang with me. We're setting the stage. All right? Hang with me. Acts 7, 2 through 4. And he said, brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory. Now, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt 
in Haran. Now wait a minute. Did you hear that? The Lord spoke to him before he went to Haran. That means while he was still in Ur of the Chaldeans. Stephen continues, Acts chapter 7, verse 3, and said to him, get out of your country from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to the land in which you now dwell. Did you catch the significance of that? God spoke to Abram while still dwelling in that civilized cultural place, surrounded by those who served other gods, including those in his own household. God said, get out of your country, get away from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. Then go to chapter 12 of Genesis again. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Now, the Lord had said That's the way the new King James translates it. That's the way the King James translates, if I remember correctly. Some translations leave out the had. And it simply says, the Lord said. And arguments can be made for both translations. But here's the idea. We're not sure if the Lord repeated the call or if Abram just remembered the call. Whatever the case may be, we know the call came. The command came. But for some reason... Unbeknownst to us, Abram only partially obeyed. Why? Because notice what he says. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. But what do we have going on? They leave the Ur of the Chaldeans and dad goes along. And the family goes along. And they don't make it to the land of Canaan. It was not until Terah was dead that Abram would step out again in faith. And it's a reminder, beloved, of the mercy and grace of God. He did not give up on Abram. Abram faltered a bit in his journey of faith. And he partially obeyed. But he began again. Now, the stage is set. The scenery is up. Let's jump into the heart of today's message. There are several lessons that we can learn about walking by faith and living By faith. Abraham is a man of faith. We're to be a people of faith. Three lessons I want to give you. Are you ready? Number one. We learn from Abraham's life. That living by faith is not always easy. Living by faith is not always easy. Look again at Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. At what the Lord told Abraham to do. Chapter 12 verse 1 of Genesis. The Lord had said to Abram, listen, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Here's what he says in a nutshell. Leave your family, leave your home and step out in faith and follow me. In other words, leave the comfortable, leave the familiar. Now, what do you have when you have family and home? You have comfort, you have security. You have some stability, right? Especially in this day and age when they're they're living. And and God is saying, listen, I want you to leave all of that and I want you to follow me. Leave your country. Leave your father's house. Step out and follow me. That wasn't easy. I remember part of my own journey of faith after I graduated high school. I've been called to preach earlier. Started preaching at 16 years old, I think it was. And God had called me to preach at a pastor. And I remember the day that after I graduated high school and it was time to go to college that I loaded up my white Nissan Sentra. 
And I headed out on Interstate 95 to go up, go to all places. Now listen, I was North Carolina born and bred, lived in North Carolina all my life. And God was sending me of all places to Pennsylvania. Up north to Bible college. And you got to remember, here I am, a high school graduate, just graduated high school. I think I was probably even bigger then than I am now. If you look back at the pictures. And... Uh, There I am driving up Interstate 95 north to Pennsylvania. I don't know if I've ever told you about this when I was bawling like a baby. I was crying. If you passed me that day, you'd think, what the world's wrong with that guy? So I'm just weeping. I knew my life would never be the same again. It dawned on me, I'm leaving the familiar. I'm leaving the comfortable. I'm leaving home. I'm leaving all these things. That was... Part of the journey of faith that God had for me. Thank God I went to Pennsylvania. My wife's from Pennsylvania. And back to North Carolina to begin pastoring. Actually, I've spent a small small stint in Virginia going to, to college as well. So Pennsylvania to Virginia, back to North Carolina. From North Carolina to Tennessee. Then back to North Carolina over in Union County, Mecklenburg County, and then finally standing before you today. And may I say this, beloved, and this is a personal testimony. It wasn't always easy. See, living by faith is not always easy. We live in a day, listen, we live in a day of great technology. Uh, we live in a day of great transportation. I mean, we can, we can get on the telephone and then we can call home. If, if you've got a computer, you can Skype, you can, you can Facebook, you can look at each other. You can do all these things. But I want you to think about Abram in his day. There wasn't Internet. There wasn't Facebook. There wasn't cell phones. There weren't even landlines. God is saying, Abram, I want you to leave everything and follow me. And that meant that when he stepped out, he may never see those people again. I want you to leave and follow me. You see, the Christian life, beloved, is filled with challenges. It is not always easy. In fact, Jesus told us that. And if you're here today and you're considering stepping out in faith and walking by faith, listen to what Jesus says in John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have it. What does he say next? But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The Christian life's not always easy. Let me share a portion of a letter I got. The day I was really studying for this message, I got a letter from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. This is from Franklin. He writes in this letter. He says, in Iraq, Syria, Egypt, especially in the Islamic world, Christians are suffering and being forced to flee their homes. In recent years, there's no place where the persecution has been greater than in Sudan, where two million people have been murdered over the last 20 years. Listen, churches have been burned. Pastors have been nailed to trees and their wives and daughters raped in front of their eyes by the soldiers of the Islamic Republic of Sudan. Thousands of refugees have fled across the border into South Sudan, many barely escaping with their lives. What are they guilty of? Loving and following the same Jesus we do. Their journey of faith includes persecution, torture, 
heartache, possibly even death. Listen, martyrdom is not something that just took place way back there hundreds of years ago. It's going on today. It's going on now. See, living the Christian life is not always easy. This doesn't sound like your best life now, does it? Because Jesus says, listen, in this world you shall have tribulation. See, these believers, that's not worldly success. That's not fame. That's not fortune. But you know what? Jesus never promised us any of those things. He says, you're going to have tribulation. That's what I promise. You have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Abraham, he leaves home and he gets to the land that God calls him to. And what does he find? Look at chapter 12, verse 6. Here's what the Bible says at the uh, end of that verse. And the Canaanites were then in the land. He steps out in faith. He goes where God calls him. And what does he find? One preacher said he didn't find a welcome banner. They didn't give him the key to the city. They didn't have a big parade. He finds enemies waiting. The Canaanites. Living by faith is not always easy. Second lesson. Second lesson. Living by faith does not always make sense. Living by faith does not always make sense. When you consider things from a human standpoint, when you look at Abram's life, it does not make sense. You have Hebrews 11. Look at verse number 8 if you do. Here's what the Bible says. Keep, keep your finger in Genesis. We'll be back. But Hebrews 11.8 says this. That's the great hall of faith passage. And Abram takes up a large chunk of that. Hebrews 11.8. By faith Abraham obeyed. When he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. Now listen to the next part of Hebrews 11.8. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? Any of you ever gone on vacation? You got in the car and the kids, your wife said, where are we going? I don't know. We don't like to live that way. We want to know everything. No, we want it mapped out. We want the five-year plan, the ten-year plan, the twenty-year plan. We want goals and all these things. We want strategy and all those things. But listen, living by faith doesn't work that way. Living by faith says, Lord, I trust you no matter what. I trust you no matter where you lead us. I trust you. I don't know where I'm going, but I know the one who's leading. And that makes all the difference in the world, beloved. I like the way Wiersbe put it. He said, when we walk by faith, we live on promises, not explanations. We live on promises, not explanations. Now, remember, I, remember that said I told you to tuck back? Pull it out now. Ur of the Chaldeans. Civilized place to live. In fact, it was so culturally advanced. J. Vernon McGee said that Abram and Sarai may well have had a bathtub in their home. It was in a great and prosperous city. And he's going to trade all that now for a tent. For a tent. He's going from the settled life to the pilgrim life. Furthermore, if you look at chapter 12, verse 4 of Genesis, it says he was 75 years old. That doesn't make sense, does it? When you're 75, you've been twice, you just want to kind of be settled. See, living by faith is not always easy. Living by faith does not always make sense. But don't miss this. Listen, the third lesson is this. Living by faith is always, always, always 
worth it. It's always worth it. See, God made wonderful promises to Abram. And we have the introduction there in Genesis chapter 12 of the Abrahamic covenant. And that's a whole different study. That's a whole different message that maybe we'll do another time. Probably not in this series because we're going to follow him on his journey of faith. But listen, let me just sum it up real quickly. The promises made there deal with personal promises that God made. I'll bless you. It it dealt with the idea of national promise. I'm going to make you a great nation. It it dealt with with universal promises. That is the idea that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Of course, that's fulfilled through the one who came through Abraham's line, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're blessed because of Abraham. Wonderful promises. But you know what? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Abram had more in mind than just an earthly land. He realized he was a pilgrim on the earth. Go back to Hebrews 11 again, if you would, please. Hebrews 11, verse 9 now. Talking about Abram, Abraham. Hebrews 11, 9. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 9, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Watch this. Dwelling in tents. With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For, watch verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Drop down to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly, they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. Abraham was just looking at the land of Canaan, as great as that might be. He looked for a city whose maker and builder is God, looking to the heavenly city, heaven. By the way. Christian, God has made some wonderful promises to us. The Lord Jesus says this in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. Listen, for you. Just just let that sink in a moment. The Lord's preparing a place for me. And he says, furthermore, in verse three, and I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. Jesus wants me there with him. We don't earn our way there. We go there by faith. But it reminds us, beloved, that this life that we're living here, it is only temporary. We are pilgrims. We are strangers. Our real home, Christian, is in heaven with him. We're just pilgrims. We're just strangers. We need to live like Abraham lived. Did you notice the two things that characterize Abraham? Tents and altars. Did you notice that? They dwelt, he dwelt in tents and it says he built an altar. In fact, you read his story, he built two altars in the passage we read today. The tent reminds us that we're pilgrims here. We're just strangers. We're foreigners. You know, tents are not permanent. 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 How many of you want to live in a tent for the rest of your life? Nobody? No takers? 
No, you go to a tent and you endure it for a night or two nights or a weekend or a week if you really die hard, right? And then the altar reminds us that uh, we are worshipers. That our relationship with the Lord is most important. Now, we're to we're treat this place kind of like a hotel room. I've got something here. Y'all recognize these? Y'all know what that is? It's a hotel key. By the way, those of you who are thinking, I didn't steal this. I asked for it. Okay. <laughs> Last time I stayed here, I said, can I have that? I said, sure. You know what this does? It, it gives me access for the time I'm there to that hotel room. So I keep it with me and I... Put it in, take it out, go in, go about. But you know what? The whole time there, I remember, you know what? That's not home. This doesn't do me a bit of good today. I can go back and put it in room 418, wherever this was we were staying, and nothing would happen. I was just a temporary resident there. I, I, I don't want to live in the hotel room. I want to be home. But you know what? This world is not home. We treat it kind of like a hotel. We enjoy it. We use it. We live there. We're, we're, we're there during our time. But we're looking not to stay at the hotel room. We want to go home. And we're pilgrims and strangers here. Beloved, he lived in a tent. And he built altars. And that reminds us of our worship and fellowship with the Lord. And as we live here, our lives will be characterized... In the same way by tents and altars. I don't mean living in a literal tent. I don't mean building a literal altar. We don't do that anymore. Christ has been slain, the lamb before the foundation of the world. But here's what we understand. We're temporary residents here. Even if you live to be a hundred. What is that in the light of eternity? And, and we're worshipers here. And we need to keep our focus like Abram, like Abraham, looking for the heavenly city, looking for the Lord. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, what about you? Let me ask you this today. Don't answer out loud. Do you have a tent mentality? You're not going to live here forever. Somebody else is going to live in your house. Somebody else is going to drive your car. Somebody else is going to have your clothes. Somebody else. Listen, kids or grandkids or your, whoever it may be, they won't take as good a care of as you do. We live our life just trying to keep, 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 keep. Beloved, we're just temporary pilgrims and strangers. We're going home. Do you have a tent mentality? Is your life characterized by altars of worship and fellowship with God? Let me ask you today, are you living the settled life like Ur and Chaldeans, Abram and Ur? Are you living the pilgrim life? Ask it another way. Are you living by faith? Are you living by sight? Which is it? Are you living by faith or by sight? Living by faith is not always easy. Living by faith does not always make sense. But praise be to God. Living by faith is always, always worth it. To God be the glory. Father, thank you that you're near. 
Thank you that you're working in hearts and lives right now. Thank you for your servant, Abram. Father, I pray if anybody here does not know Jesus Christ, that in this service, in this invitation time, they'll turn from their sin and place their faith in Christ. Then, Lord, I pray for those of us who are on a journey of faith and maybe we're faltering, maybe we're kind of wanting to go back. Help us to realize living by faith is always worth it. And though times are not easy and things don't make sense, we know that you are in control. Jesus says, be of good courage. I've overcome the world. So, Father, I pray today that some would lay down the settled life and pick up the pilgrim life. And say, this world is not my home. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. And live with that tent mentality. And then, Father, at the same time, may our lives be filled with altars of worship and praise to you. Bless this invitation time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymns, number 400, excuse me, number 305. 305, I've decided to follow Jesus and you need to be saved today. Would you come? You need to come and pray and you lay some things down. Um, 305, let's stand and sing. The altar's open, you come. 305, let's stand and sing.